Is it your turn, Heather? Um, I think so. I, I remember, I don't think last week we did one because Jastin said cowabunga and it fucked up everything. <laughs> <laughs> and we just, I just ranted for like 20 minutes at that point. So let's just say yeah. this. Heather, A through Z. Hmm. A through Z. Um, T. You could not have picked a more better letter than T. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. That was not intentional, everybody. Oh, this actually, I, I, I worked this into several letters. So I had several letters for, to choose from uh, to get to this very specific topic. Uh, former okay. Tennessee Titan offensive lineman, Michael Orr, subject of the movie The Blind Side has been making headlines this week for not the reasons one would expect. Uh, He is suing the family that allegedly adopted him. Oh. Because they didn't possibly actually adopt him. What? They might have just made him sign papers of a conservatorship. And then... Uh, sold their rights to a movie studio, so they made a bunch of money off of the movie, and he did not make anything. No way. Man. We will see. Yep. Uh, what wow. does not help them is the fact that they hired the same lawyer that Lizzo did. Oh. Once again, the same lawyer that also went and uh, was the lawyer for both Chris Brown and Bill Cosby. Mm. So... yeah. I'm not saying the guilty. Wow. But I'm just saying it's like if I was accused of murdering my ex-wife and I hired Johnny Cochran. Right. Oh, man. Yes, he is suing them for all of that. Uh, They've come out and said it's completely untrue and that uh, Michael is just making stuff up to hurt them. Because, you know, that's what people that are actually parents say about their children. Or somebody that they, you know, considered a child or one of their children enough to possibly adopt them. Yeah. And he's an NFL football player. So this doesn't feel like I'm a desperate for money. I'm going to make up lies. Does he still play or no? No, he played for about seven years. Okay. Uh, but well, I, I should mean, have said was, but yeah. you know what I mean. Like, well, he's got money, you and, know. And part of it is those, one of the things he talked about is he, you know, in his uh, autobiography, or, you know, he wrote a memoir, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, and he talked about his time in the NFL, and he talked about how the movie, like, kind of made his NFL career worse. Because the way the movie portrays him kind of wasn't accurate to how he was as a football player. He was okay. I mean, he's pretty good, at least in high school and college. He was kind of just slightly below the middle of the pack when it comes to the NFL. But everybody, because of the movie, just had 
stupid high expectations for him. And so whenever you he played for your team and he was the player he always was, but was not the player you made up in your head watching the movie, everybody hated him. Um, he also talked about how the movie mischaracterized him in general. Like in that scene in the movie when he's like, is that a bed? She's like, yeah. And he's like, I've never, I've never had one of those before. He has gone on record saying, yes, he has had beds. Uh, the movie made a big deal about the, the Tui family or whatever the fuck they're called, uh, teaching him football. And especially the Sandra Bullock mom, you know, breaking and teaching him how to be offensive lineman. You got to protect the quarterback because he's family. Got to protect the family. All that shit. No, he was already a well-known high school football offensive lineman by the time he met them. Multiple things. Uh, you know, he wasn't as uh, dumb, essentially, for lack of a better word, as they portray him in the movie. Uh, he said that what he was talking about, one of the biggest things that was like a, a detriment to his studies, like his, he even said his grades weren't that good, but he really didn't have educational consistency, which is a problem for a lot of people who grow up in a poor household. They don't have educational consistency. They don't have, you know, they sometimes don't have a parent or anyone at home to help them with homework, to, to motivate them, anything like that, you know? They have to go home and instead of, you know, being able to just jump on their homework and all this other stuff, they might have to cook dinner for them and like someone else in their family or something like that because, you know, parent or parents might be working, you know, two jobs or at work or something. Multiple things that lead to bad grades, but not necessarily a lack of in intelligence or lack of knowledge. Um, yeah, several things like that. But... I kind of can't wait to see where this goes because then I want him to sell the rights. Like say, say he wins this. I want him to sell the rights to the trial and they make blindsided two. And I want to get to see Sandra Bullock play this woman in court. <laughs> Blindside two, actually blindsided. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be like, Wow. That's crazy, though. Blinded, blindsided by the lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I, I thought it was a really kind of fun way to be able to combine sports. You know, football, especially considering it's the first. Well, we're just right after the first week of the preseason. And movies. It lined up. Like I said, I had I had lots of letters. I could choose from because if you'd done a B, it was Baltimore Ravens. If you had done R, Ravens, T, Tennessee Titans, uh, C, Carolina, P, Panthers, an S or a B for Sandra Bullock, a T or for also Tim McGraw. Yep. Yeah. See, I had a lot of letters prepared for this nice. one. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, thought I'd talk about a a, a part two to my. Sound of Freedom is a grift movie series that I did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, several people involved with the production of the movie have been uh, arrested or implicated in 
lots of uh, things that the movie are about. One of the producers, uh, one of the main financial backers for distribution rights in the United States has been officially charged with multiple counts of kidnapping. Fantastic. Uh, another person associated with this movie, I think it was a producer, has uh, ties uh, and financial ties more specifically to a rabbi who has also been arrested and accused of raping several children in, in uh, Mexico. And maybe I think another country too. That's fantastic. And uh, someone else with this movie, and I should have looked up who, when they worked uh, for, I believe, Homeland Security. Uh, they had uh, several people under them that were also uh, have uh, were found to have uh, raped several people trying to enter this country. So those are all fantastic news stories from such outstanding citizens uh, that just want to, you know, do the right thing, apparently. And with all that, too, I want to address the conspiracy theory with this movie also. So movie theater chains like Cinemark and AMC were both accused of trying to, uh, to hide this movie, if you will, by just having several showings sold out, but people would go in, into the theater and find that no one was in there. But you couldn't buy a ticket to it, but no one was in there. They actually figured out why that was happening. So, uh, for people that don't know, when you buy movie tickets online, it's not like they are for football games where there's sometimes like a will call where you can go pick up a paper ticket. Uh, online tickets are just di digitally delivered to you. Because one of the things in this movie is they have like this QR code that takes you to a site that says, hey, if you want to support this movie and support the message of this movie, buy someone a ticket. Buy people tickets so they can come see this movie. People were just going online and buying tickets thinking that people would just then be able to come see the movie for free if they showed up without having a copy of the ticket on their phone to, you know, show somebody. <laughs> what? So people were going online, buying tickets, selling out theaters, and that's why no one was able to go in because people were just buying them for other showtimes and not... Like, you don't, not even sending the email to someone else so they can go. <laughs> yes. I am sorry if you are of the demographic that this movie was trying to reach out to. Some of y'all stupid. I mean... That's right up there with, you know, my grandmother needing me to go over to fix her phone because she flipped the little mute switch on the side of the fucking iPhone. Like it's that type of, it's, it's, it's that level of just a, of, of incompetence when it comes to knowing a modicum 
about how modern technology works. Like, this isn't even like the level of, you know, like, where you have to technically kind of know something to like fix it or something. Dude, these are the basics of how online commerce fucking works. And has worked for what, I don't know, a decade now? This is what buying tickets online has been for a decade now? These people astound me. And they think people like like me or us are the downfall of society moving forward? You don't even know how to buy a ticket to a movie and give it to someone else. And then you flip out and get mad at businesses because you are too stupid to afford a fucking email. Come on. All of this needs movies too. The sound of stupidity and the sound of hypocrisy can just be a trilogy. Oh, it needs to be. Uh, it needs to be an anthology, Justin, a saga. Because one of the things we talked about uh, before we started recording is there needs to be a real, authentic, unadulterated biographical movie about John Wayne. There would be like the coup de gras of this franchise to go for the ultimate conservative man's man, Mr. Cowboy, Mr. America, Mr. I don't know. Fuck communism himself, John Wayne, the same man that sexually trafficked a 16 year old, 16 year old girl from Mexico to the United States for the sole purpose of having sex with her which the movie studios even knew about because they were the ones renting her apartment for him. So it wouldn't be in his name so he wouldn't get caught with his wife. And then when he divorced his wife, he then married said underage girl until she divorced him because she got tired of being physically beat by that man. John Wayne's a piece of shit, guys. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just in case you thought I thought he was just a piece of shit for just the the simple racism fact. No, no, no. I mean, that would be enough to call him a piece of shit. But no. Everyone should join me because I thought everybody hated, you know, kids being sex trafficked. That's what they say when they like the movie Sound of Freedom. They don't like sex traffickers. Just saying. Maybe look inside your own house before you be looking outside. Just a tad. Mm -hmm. I am. I'm going to find someone the next time that somebody says they like Sound of Freedom around me. I'm going to ask them if they're a John Wayne fan. You know what the bullshit is? Know what they're going to say, though? You're just trying to cancel John Wayne because he loves America. 
I guarantee that's what they're going to say. Like it's, it's, it's too, you know, unrealistic to fathom that I might hate John Wayne and Elvis because they're both sex traffickers. Like literally by definition, they trafficked young women for the purposes of having sex with them. Like there's not even a way to like finagle around it. They are the definition of sex traffickers of underage people. And Ted Nugent too. I just want to throw that in there too. Because I've had a lot of reminders this week that not only does Ted Nugent have a song called Jailbait, where he's talking about how bad he wants to fuck a 13-year-old girl. Everybody talks about, well, it's a different time. You know, it's it's a character. No, no, he also openly admits that he used to date 14 and 15-year-old girls. He'd have to go to their house to ask their parents permission to date them while he was in his 30s. It's not while he was like 19. No, no, no. In his 30s. But but don't worry, guys. He claims, claims he never had sex with any of them. Claims he never did anything of a physical nature with them. Because, you know, 30-year-old rock stars are known for their modesty and chastity. Right. You know, with their songs, Jailbait. Oh, geez. Sounds a little autobiographical if you ask me. Wow, man. Wow. I am fired up about how much I hate actual sex traffickers. Yeah. Rightfully so. Yeah. I ain't got a problem with it. Not a single problem. Right. They should be hated upon. Yeah, they, they should, should be hated on and stopped yeah. and shunned. If only there were movies that actually, you know, brought awareness to real sex traffickers. Yeah. I mean, come on. We got an Elvis movie within the last couple of years. There was a perfect chance to do it real. We got a Priscilla Presley movie coming out soon, too. I know it won't do it, though. Because it's based on Priscilla Presley's book. And she's a producer on it. So I doubt it's going to tell the truth. Unless she blindsides all of us and actually tells the truth for once. Because she swears. It was fine. It's not actually grooming. Because she wanted it. Isn't it weird how much that sounds like grooming? It's fucking crazy. How the fuck am I going to pivot this into this fucking movie? Not sure. Not sure. Oh, this is going to be the, the, sometimes the music has to do it for you. (laughs) How am I going to pivot this into our fucking theme song? There's no way. Shit. I went a little too hard that direction. And we, we just got to spin it around to this little fucking Dracula movie. What the fuck? Uh, which weirdly has some human trafficking in it. That's my spin. I did all of that and I hit the button for the theme song and the theme song is playing right now, but I had the fader turned down on it 
So if I had actually just boosted the fader at that point, it would have come in not on the intro of the actual song. So now I have to fill this time while the theme song silently plays on my mixer. So I'm just, I fuck me. It's done. Here's the actual song. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the brand new movie. The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Or... Dracula chapter seven or in other movies or other countries. I think it's called like Dracula, the last voyage. Hmm. Or the, you know what? Four minutes of movie from Bram Stoker's Dracula or any number of things. Uh, we will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores and, and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around in both video and audio formats. I kind of forgot where I was in the intro when I started ribbing the movie. But with all that, spoiler-free section, uh, Justin, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about this here Dracula at Sea movie? All right. So... Just thinking back to what I saw with the previews of this, I didn't really see anything to me that stood out in the preview I saw as, oh, this is something I really want to see or that this is like an anticipated release for me. I just remember being sort of underwhelmed by the preview. And unfortunately for me, that's sort of how I ended when this movie was over. Like, and and it's kind of upsetting because on one end, I feel like I do think the movie does some things right, but, but, but that's a kind of part of the problem too. It does some things right, but they're just right. None of them are extraordinary things. None of them are amazing things. Like, I don't think there's really anything amazing about it. Like, it, it's the, 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 the story is okay, but it's not a good enough story to where I found it you know, really compelling or compelling to where I was just being thoroughly entertained by it. Um, The characters are okay, but I don't think there are any great characters in this. I do think there is one really good acting performance 
um, in a sea, if you will, of actors and actresses that are doing okay. But that's probably the best I can say about it. Um, and, and the development of those characters gets us from beginning to end. But again, there's just nothing amazing about the development of any of these characters. Um, this premise of sort of we're, we're on this boat and we've got Dracula to deal with. On paper, that's a great premise. Like, it, it seems like a, an easy win. It seems like a layup. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, we're going to be kind of in this close proximity thing and we're going to have Dracula and he's going to be, you know, after these crew members and how are we going to survive Dracula? It all sounds on paper like it should be good, but... But I felt like the Dracula part of this is probably the weakest part of it in a sea of like stuff that's already not great. And then I feel like you needed to really nail it with him. And I don't think we did that here either. So by the time we got to the end of this, um, the only thing I could appreciate was just some of the cinematography, some of the atmosphere that it creates, I think is okay. The movie has a pretty solid look to it. Um, but uh, man, this movie is just so mid to me. And there are just like so many like formulaic things that it does. And maybe it's also just, us coming off of the talk to me movie, which to me really was just so innovative and just did so much to be creative. And I didn't feel that this was creative enough. So even though I harped in the Renfield movie that I prefer a more serious take on Dracula, (laughs) unfortunately I thought that's what I was going to get here. And even though this was more serious, I don't really like this take either, you know, of what they did. It, it was not what I wanted from this. Justin, so yeah. I want to see if we can come to like a, a common ground when it comes to a Dracula, you, you like serious Draculas. Yes. I like funny Draculas. Can we meet in the middle with like a very like sexually horny Dracula like Gary Oldman and Bram Stoker's Dracula? Yes. Okay. I will take that. Yes. I just wanted to add, yes. you, you were on that part of the, the of your Dracula, you know, preference. I that's why I thought I'd ask that now. No, that that's great because him just being so haha funny like he's bozo the damn clown is not good, but him being a straight up monster is not good either. You know, I just think that you, you gotta meet somewhere in the middle with these things. I just like when he's monstrous, but he needs to have a brain. He needs to like 
<laughs> be planning and thinking and saying things. Also, I don't, I, I didn't like straight up monster Dracula in this. So ultimately, like I said, I'm just hella mid with this leaning downward. I found this to be, I mean, I wasn't even intrigued enough for this to be disappointing. I just, I, I just felt like I just, <laughs> I just felt like I wish I had just, had a better use of my time. I mean, I just, I, I wasn't even disappointed. I it didn't even, it didn't even arouse those feelings in me. It just aroused nothing. Like I'm just a limp dick at this point. Like it just, I, I just could get hard in no way, shape or form. So that's kind of where I am with this man. Like, I don't know. How to, I mean, I know that's pretty, you know, that's not a description I normally use, but man, I can't think of anything more on point than that. So, yeah, that's it for me. I did not think we were going to end up calling this the Showgirls of Dracula movies. <laughs> um, Heather, <laughs> I, I, I should have asked you too. Where in the Dracula spectrum do you fall? Um, I mean, I would say probably a meet in the middle because... I do agree. I think that Dracula needs to have a little bit of like a charm and like a manipulation about him because I think that's the whole point of the allure of what Dracula does, but also have those evil and monstrous tendencies because he's Dracula, right? So um, and I think that the the reference you made is probably the best meeting point for that. But again, it is almost like sometimes it just depends on what I feel like I am expecting from the Dracula in the movie. Like for example, the movie that Justin doesn't remember at all. The, the Nicholas Cage, Dracula. What was that movie? I don't even remember the name of it. Renfield. <laughs> Justin did Renfield. say Renfield. He remembered Renfield. the name of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I expected the type of Dracula that I got from that. So I wasn't disappointed in the Dracula in the movie per se, like that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like I feel like, it, it depends on if I'm expecting the type of Dracula that I'm getting in a way. But my favorite type is definitely that middle ground of, you know, got to have a charm and like a kind of charisma about him, but also internally monstrous because, yeah, that makes sense. So, Well, keep going. I mean, do your review now. I just wanted to start with that part. Yeah. I mean, for me on this, like where I differ from Justin is just in, I did actually have a different expectation for this movie, unfortunately, <laughs> because I, I actually saw the trailer and I thought it looked good. I thought it looked interesting and intriguing. And like, I myself haven't like read the, the Dracula novel or anything like that. Um, so I didn't know anything about this story or like what the Demeter was, you know what I mean? So I didn't know anything really going into it. Um, but so I just based on the trailer itself, I was like, Oh, that's an interesting, like different type of take on Dracula. And I was kind of about it. You know what I mean? Like I, I kind of expected it to be kind of cool and all of that. But, um, I think that the, the best thing I think the movie did for me, at least is I do think it created that haunting tone to it. I think it did have a haunting tone throughout it with just how people were talking about things and 
the cinematography and all of that stuff, I do think that it set that tone of very haunting and ominous, you know, but, um, and there, there is, I would say, I would say one or two performances that are good. And then the rest is just kind of like, I, I don't really care. (laughs) So I, I'm kind of with you on that, Justin. Um, it is not nearly as good as I wanted it to be. I think that it's one of those where it almost feels like they had specific points of the story that they knew they wanted to tell, but the in-between of getting to those points was just not formulated very well, you know, cause you just feel like, Oh, like we know clearly with how you're telling the story, the points that you very much wanted us to care about. And then all of the rest is just in the middle there. So I, unfortunately did not like this as much as I wanted to like it. Um, I think that it, it had the potential to be something better in my opinion. I, from what I saw in the trailer, I just, I thought it had potential. There are a couple of things that kind of, I guess I agree with you, Justin, that they did do right, but there's so many things in it that I'm just like, if you would have maybe done this instead or not done this instead, it, it really just, could have been a way better, more haunting, actual creepy movie that kind of stuck with you. But because they didn't really pull off those elements that well, it just, it felt like just a lot of things were happening in the movie because they needed it to happen. But there was no, it, it didn't really feel like there was like a heart behind the movie, if that makes sense. Like it, it didn't feel like there was a conviction in any th- sort of thing or any sort of storytelling aspect of this it was just like oh cool all right let's just uh you know well we know what the end game is here so let's just kind of tell a story that leads to it you know and you just don't feel like it's anything more than that um and if it had been man that could have been really cool like i just keep thinking about the potential of what this could have been of if you had told me a story where i'm so intrigued by these characters so intrigued by like their their will to to kind of endure and and get beyond their situation and all of this and it you you would be so much more invested in the characters and in the story happening and it just doesn't really do that so yeah i i'm unfortunately disappointed in this movie as well um it, it just it wasn't it wasn't what i wanted it to be and it did kind of drag in places after a while because you kind of started to get the formula down of what they were going to be doing. And then you're just kind of just waiting for it to happen (laughs) instead of like, Oh, I'm on the edge of my seat. You know, you're just kind of like, okay, I'm not really anymore. I know, I know where this is going. So let's just get there because you know, you're just not, you're not drawing this out in a way that is making me captivated with the story. So yeah, it, it was, I would say it was a disappointing movie for sure. This movie is going to make me do something I rarely do. I'm going to apologize. (laughs) I'm going to apologize to Oppenheimer. I'm going to apologize to Renfield. I'm going to apologize to every movie recently that I have called fucking boring. I was wrong. (laughs) You were action-packed edge of your seat thriller romps compared to this fucking movie. (laughs) 
Man, this, that is that is saying something. This movie takes place wow. over the span of one month. It also feels like you're watching it for one month. It drags so much. And the sad thing is, I think if you change two things, you can fix this entire movie completely. Maybe three. One of them I'll say now, you change the Dracula type. You can have him be a monster at times. You can have him this. You, you, you could do some different things with it. They were trying to, to, to homage back to Nosferatu, ultimately. Just that monster. Which, if you're willing to avoid the... Or, I'm not, sorry, not avoid. If you're willing to ignore the entire, you know, anti-Semitism that is baked into the design of Nosferatu. Very much intentionally. Okay. I mean, I guess I see what you're, you know, why you're okay with that or whatever. But this isn't what 19 fucking 20 or whenever the fuck Nosferatu came out. This is fucking 2023. We have had definitive and iconic Dracula performances over the decades. Between Nosferatu and now, there have been hundreds of Draculas. I mean, fuck. It is sad. If you take Gerard Butler's fucking, uh, what was it? Dracula 2000. And make that iconic because you go with the worst possible Dracula idea you can go with. Notoriously bad movie Blade Trinity had a more interesting and compelling Dracula than you had in this. It's tragic that they went, huh, let's take one of the most iconic literary, cinematic, pop culture, monster like creature things out there. And let's just make him boring as fuck. And other people went, oh, fuck, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And then now we are here, having watched this movie and now dealing with this. Also, once again, I have to say, uh, quit releasing horror movies in the fucking summer. Just stop. There's an entire month dedicated to you release your fucking horror movies this month. And they, they don't. And that's the thing is, if you release this movie in October, you'd probably double its box office opening weekend. Just because it's October. And people go, ooh, gee golly. I want to watch horror movies. And I'm not saying that this movie deserves to have its box office doubled. I don't even know what its current box office numbers are. For all I know, it could be what? I mean, there's three of us here, 10 bucks each, what, $30 for the weekend? But 
I mean, that's just marketing alone. And it, the same goes for Haunted Mansion. Why Why are you releasing that movie in fucking July? Or August? I don't remember what month that came out. It was late July, early August. Anyway, still, that's neither here nor there. But I think if you fix a couple of other things, and one of them is one of the quickest and easy, like easiest fixes ever, but I'll do that in spoilers. Outside of that, movie's boring. Movie's also dumb because characters make a lot of dumb choices in this. Characters make a lot of choices that even if you were going at it from the perspective of they've never dealt with a Dracula before. You know, we understand these things because we've seen how many different versions of Dracula. We've, we've seen rules. We've seen this. We've seen that. We, you know. But even if you're going at it from just the logical per, like perspective that they had in the movie, they still made some pretty dumb decisions. Yep. I was going to bring that up too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes it a little worse. Because even when you give them the benefit of the doubt that they've never dealt with a vampire or a Dracula or anything, they went, huh, you know that piece of information we just learned? Let's ignore it for the next hour of the movie. Yeah, let's not do things that just you would think would be common behaviors amongst crewmen on a ship. I mean, I don't know. This may be a spoiler. I don't care. Why is it that you realize that this vampire thing only attacks at night and you go, from this point on, all of our plans to take it down must only happen at night? (laughs) Yeah. That's a big problem. I understand if it's earlier in the movie and you don't know this yet. But at one point, they clearly have determined this is a night problem. And then they clearly went, cool, so nighttime for this plan? Right, exactly. Yep. I don't get it. I do not understand. And also, I'm going to end with this. Why are the vampires zombies? I I won't give any more context than that. Yeah. But there are vampires in this movie that are zombies. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand why. That was a weird choice to me. So. That's where I stand. You made me apologize to Christopher Nolan movie. I hope you're fucking happy. Recommendations and scores? Yeah. Yep. Recommendations and scores. Heather, go. Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple of days to reflect on, like, my feelings on this movie. And, I mean, it it is very mid. I think mid was the right word, Jason, that you used for it. Um It just, I think the fact that it did have that potential kind of really hurts it more uh, because you know what this movie could have been if they had done it the right way. Um, Completely agree, Sterling, that they, 
I think there were probably zero good decisions made in this movie at all. Like zero almost like (laughs) just none, none at all. And it was frustrating and confusing and weird. So I'm with you on that. Um, Yeah, I just and that's why it feels even more like, oh, we're just doing a bunch of things to get to this end goal because we know people want to see gore and blood and Dracula, you know, kill people. Um, So let's just do a bunch of things in between to get to that point (laughs) Um, at the at the suffering of the story and the character's sake. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a fan. I don't think this was um, the way to go about making this movie, especially for somebody like me who, you know, maybe I'm the only one in the world, but I, I didn't know what the Demeter was. I didn't know that whole story. I haven't read that book of Dracula. So I was like, oh, I, I'm curious. Like, I want to know what is going to happen here. What is this about? Even if you do know the end game, kind of like, in a sense, Titanic, like, you know, what's going to happen, but you don't fully know, like, what leads up to what happens, you know? And that's what I wanted from this movie was like, man, yeah, like, let's just make it more ominous and creepy who Dracula is by telling the story of what happens to the people on this voyage and on this boat. Um, and it just kind of fell short at every turn. Um, there's nothing that this movie does great. Um, it is also weirdly enough, it's not the worst movie I've seen, but it doesn't do anything great and it's not memorable. Unfortunately. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't recommend it. I don't really think that it's worth your time, uh, necessarily, if you do want to watch it, definitely you can wait till it's on streaming. I don't think you need to go to theaters to see this one. Um, it's not, I, I, I can't think of anybody who will probably think this is like their best version of Dracula or anything like that, or the story of Dracula. Um, it, it has like a very, you know, um, dark sort of like, you know, old timey Gothic vibe to it which I think was a cool aspect of it. Um, But it wasn't really enough to get it by to be anything more than just like, oh, it looks cool. The fact that the movie looks cool with its shots and how it's filmed, that being the best aspect of what this movie is, is not really saying much, unfortunately. So yeah, I, I, I don't recommend it. I was disappointed with the movie. Um, it's mid, but again, kind of like Jason said, I'm on the lower end of it. I'm going to give it 47 uh, points for Corey Hawkins, who plays Clemens, because he was the only really memorable thing about this movie out of 100. Justin, what about you? Yeah, I can't recommend that you go to the movies and see this. And honestly, it's just, I don't even think it's good enough for like a rental. I mean, you can watch it if you want to, but it's just like you said, Heather, there's nothing memorable really about it. I mean, it's just, and there are so many Dracula movies. There are so many iterations of this character in cinema and film and all this stuff. And it just feels like, you could put all of them in a hat and randomly draw and you would probably wind up with a better film 
about Dracula than this. I mean, it just, uh, most of the time, you're probably going to hit some other movie that has a better iteration of the character. So I just, man, it's just, it, it's a very tough to recommend, Um, which sucks because I don't hate this director. I think he's had some good movies. Um, Andre Overdahl. I I don't hate all of his movies. He's had some that I do like. What else has he done? But I, I didn't even bother looking him up. The Autopsy of Jane Doe. I love that He's movie. Done. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, that was him. Um, scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. What? We really liked that movie. Oh, man. Yes. This is the same dude, man. And I was shocked How that did this the guy was the same dude. That directed, A, one of my favorite kind of like unseen gym horror movies in the Autopsy of Jane Doe. I love that movie. Emil, uh, what was uh Brian Cox. Emil Hirsch. Yeah, Emil Hirsch. They were fucking fantastic in that movie. And then Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was like just a great, yeah, it's safe for kids horror, but still just really well done horror. How does this man yeah. produce this? I mean, I yeah. guess he's not in charge of the story, I don't think, right? So, like, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah no, but, I get it. I mean, but Autopsy of Jane Doe has a lot of tension in it. This movie has none. It loves saying it does. It loves acting like it does. But there's none. Yeah, it's true. This guy yeah. knows how to do tension. How did? How is there none in this movie? Yeah. I'm flabbergasted just... now. I'm now more mad. My score has changed and I haven't given it yet. Damn. Damn. All it made me want to do when I saw the list was was watch <laughs> Scary Stories again or Autopsy of Jane Doe. That's all it did yeah, when I found out this good. was this was the same guy. Like I I couldn't believe it at first. And the the only thing I would say is that must be why I thought the movie at least looked good. That that's why that must be why I thought that the movie did nail the atmosphere and had the that's right tone that it was going for. I I, I you know I, I'm not making excuses for him, but I want to say that that's you know he nailed that. And I don't know maybe. There were, I don't know if this was one of those studio notes type of things or we want you to make this and do the best you can with it, but this is what it has to be. I'm I'm not really sure, but it definitely felt like this was a misuse of this man's talent. Like, like it didn't feel like he showed up for this. It felt, I, this felt like a paycheck movie, not, not a, passion project or something that he really got to show up for whether that was his fault or whether it was the fault of the studio but yeah I'm my mind is boggled I couldn't believe this was the same guy when I looked him up but all that to say nah it's not going to be a recommend he also did this movie troll hunter 
from uh, 2010 that is also a super good movie. See, and I haven't even seen that one, but man, dude, like, I mean, so this dude can go. I guess you're right, Sterling. That makes it even more disappointing because, like, this together, this guy can go. He can ball. He can do something out there. But what happened in this game, man? Where did he go? But so with all that being said, eh, I'm going to go. We'll give it 38. Watching your son get lit on the top of a boat out of 100. God, I, I hate this movie now. I was looking at his IMDb. There are three movies that are good to great fucking movies. And I got this piece of shit. I had to go watch this. That literally has none of the hallmarks and characteristics that I know this man can do. Man, fuck this movie. I'm mad now. Because like I said, I didn't know he also did Troll Hunter. Oh my God. Just bullshit. I'm stunned now. I don't know what else to say at this moment. Uh, Like... The only thing I'll say before you give your score is the only thing that really would have made this worse is if I had been privy to that prior to watching it. Because then I would have looked forward to this. Like if I had known that was the director, I I probably would even be more mad because I would have looked forward to this. Like if I knew going in, oh, this is the same guy that did Autopsy of Jane Doe. This is the same guy that did Scary Stories. I would have been like, hell yeah, man, let's go. This dude's doing Dracula. Let's go. Thank goodness I wasn't there. (laughs) You know, at least. That's the only thing I'll give it. I couldn't even recognize it was his work, man. Like, I didn't even, when I saw the preview, I didn't even recognize it was him. Like, that's what's crazy about it. Yeah, Autopsy of Jane Doe alone, like, it's such a sneaky good movie. Like, I had never heard of it. It was fucking $5 one weekend on iTunes, and I bought it, and it's just fucking good. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's really good. Have you seen it, Justin? Only parts. Okay. I need to finish it, though. I've seen the begin. I've seen like the first half of the movie. Well, I just said, because I was at a person's house and yeah. then I didn't get to, and I didn't see the second half. So I need to finish it. But well, I just said where you can go to find it. Um, okay. But, I would do that, but no, it's tight. The first half is tight. And I was like, it was just one of those. I'm at a person's house and I was like, damn dude, I want to finish this, but I can't stay. And then I was like, I'll, I got to watch the second half of that. And then I just like, for some reason, never did. But it's tight. But I mean, now I'm, it's like, where did everything go wrong then? 
Because like I said, this man knows how to do tension. He knows how to do these things. He knows how to build up mystery when it comes to what the purpose and the um, motivations are of a monster or something like that. You know what I mean? Like he knows what to do. And we got none of that in this movie. This movie is just void of everything that I've seen this man do in other movies. And I'm, I'm like, where, where, what, what happened? What happened, man? Go back to doing that shit. I don't recommend this movie. I definitely don't say, uh, recommend seeing it in theaters. I don't necessarily even recommend watching it on streaming unless you have someone else's streaming password. I recommend seeing this movie. If you put forth zero money to watch it, like if you're, you know, sharing somebody else's fucking Peacock account and it's on Peacock, go watch it there. Not Netflix. Cause they, you, you have to pay for password sharing on that. But any of these streaming services, you don't have to pay for password sharing. Watch it on someone else's account. Because I also don't want to know what movies it will recommend to you. If you watch it, they won't be good. Venom, for sure. I was going to say, if it's Hulu, you're yeah. going to get Venom. No <laughs> yeah, matter exactly. what. I was guaranteed. about to you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> so if this is streaming on Hulu, I guess it won't fuck up your, your algorithm for recommendations. Because damn sure you're going to be getting recommended Venom. Probably at this point, too, you'd probably be getting Venom, too, also. Yep. And Morbius. Oh, man, you get all three at this point just full of Sony Spider-Man Cinematic Universe movies. Wait till Craven and Madam <laughs> Web comes face. out. You're going to be getting those, too. All your recommendations are just going to be Spider-Man movies without Spider-Man. No matter what you watch. Schindler's List, Venom. Must love, must love dogs, Venom. What's some Matt Damon movie? I don't know. Whatever, Matt Damon Departed. movie, Venom. It's it's crazy. Um, yeah, that's the only way I recommend it though. Is that if you have zero financial ramifications for watching it. That's about it. I'm going to give this 22. What the fuck is going on with this director's out of 100? Uh, that that brings the official Cinescore of this movie to a whopping, astronomically high. Make me feel like I did not go low enough. 36. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Spoilers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. I'm going to fix this movie real quick. Real quick for you. Like I said, one, change Dracula. I think also have him actually look like a man. I don't know. Have him actually be somebody on the fucking boat. Really fuck with people's heads in that regard. Don't want to go that exactly. route. That's fine. Change the name of the movie. This is not this sh- movie should not have been called The Last Voyage of the Demeter. It sets you up for failure. Cuz you know it's a Dracula movie from the beginning. 
And then you get all mad that this is the Dracula you get. You name this movie The Last Voyage. That's it. The Last Voyage. And you have people get on a boat. And you can kind of have the beginning play out like it was, like a man, a, a doctor wants to get on the boat, but they're like, you can't. Guy drops a crate, almost kills the captain's grandson. Doctor saves him instead. Doctor ends up on the boat. People are on the boat. Shit starts happening on the boat. Animals start dying. People start going missing. What's going on in this boat? You don't know what's going on with the boat. And then as the movie progresses, that's when you find out it's a Dracula. And then at the end of the movie, they can be like, oh no, the ship ran ashore, all this other stuff. What's the name of the ship? The Demeter. Don't give it away at the beginning. Don't give it away in the title. Heather said she didn't know what the Demeter was, but I, I, I mean, 60% of the world that has ever fucking, like, they know the Demeter. Get rid of that. Do that because then you actually have some tension. Don't show the whole coffin thing. Don't show the dragon thing, at least not early. Maybe show it later. Don't show the fucking things of dirt. You can have the girl on there. You can have most of the movie be the same, but by getting rid of the fact that you know it's Dracula from the beginning, you can actually add some tension because you don't know what the fuck is attacking people. Yep. It adds a little mystery to it. And that unknown factor is what can add some tension whilst changing very little in the movie itself. But because you know it's Dracula from the beginning... Because they do everything but say it's Dracula from the beginning. And they were trying to. They were doing everything they could to tell you this is Dracula without saying the fucking word. Like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous in that regard. Like I said, give it some mystery. That will build tension with minimal effort of changing the movie. Because it's unknown. But because we know it's Dracula, anytime there's sunshine, you no longer are afraid of anything. Which also isn't necessarily a Dracula thing. The lore itself, uh, Dracula can go in daytime. Just saying. We think he can't because of the movie Nosferatu. They had to have a cinematic way of killing Nosferatu at the end of the movie without it being violent. Because if I'm remembering correctly, uh, Dracula dies in the, the book from getting his neck stabbed or head cut off, One something like that. So, yes, there are ways around this that they could have done. Like I said, to add some tension, add some unknownness, do anything other than what you did with this movie when it comes to that. Because like I said, they're like dragon, dragon. Oh, dragons are scary. Oh, we can't be on the boat with the dragon. Oh, no. And there's crates of dirt because of the whole weird part of the lore that it's like, oh, has to be with his burial or ancestral ground. Does that mean at the end of this movie, after Dracula frees himself from being impaled on the mast, the mast, he then picks up crates and flies them to Carfax Abbey? Was Dracula flying his own fucking crates of dirt 
Otherwise, how the fuck did they end up at Carfax Abbey? Because he needs those. And that's something that I would not have thought about if they hadn't had 9,000 scenes of saying these crates are full of fucking dirt. God, they loved showing you that those fucking crates were full of dirt. So many dirt shots in this movie, just dirting about. This movie was obsessed with dirt as much as a fucking earthworm. It's unsettling. But like I said, you change all that. And then you also change the end of the movie. Where, and you only have to change one aspect of the end. When they start their plan to scuttle the boat. You know, where they're going to knock a hole in it. And then they're going to row away in safety. I don't know. Don't start that plan at 11 o'clock at night. How about they started at 8 o'clock in the morning? When they're a day away from London? Yep. Fuck you, boys. We get some arm workout in today. Today's arms and chests. We're going to be rowing. And you, you scuttle the boat at 8 a.m. Because that way, let's say theoretically... That doesn't kill Dracula. It still puts him at the bottom of the fucking ocean. That still gives you plenty of time to get to shore. Because let's argue, like, like let's use the premise of this movie that Dracula is like injured by sunlight. Can't go out in the sun. That means he can only swim from the bottom of the ocean during daylight or day at nighttime. That gives you. Like, you know what I mean? That gives you so much time. Because let's say that the not breathing aspect won't kill him, all this other stuff. But, like, that saves you time. And you're exploiting a weakness of his. Because he can't escape the boat during the day. Like, he might know it's sinking, but he can't just shoot out. And the way that water reflects light... It's actually going to make it fairly daylight under there. You can, you know what I mean? Like he's going to have to swim deeper to avoid the sunlight. Like, come on. You knew he was weak to sunlight at this point in the movie. And they went, nah, we can't start our final plan until it is just pitch black outside. But like I said, you change those two things the movie would actually work. And I understand why they don't do the whole scuttle the boat thing because they're trying to match Dracula. You know what I mean? They're trying to match the book. The Demeter runs ashore with no crew. I get it. But the way your movie presents itself is that you the, the characters of the movie, the ones you were supposed to be rooting for are all idiots. Because they didn't have the plan I just said. Like I said, I understand why you don't actually have that plan in the movie. But the movie sets up that plan to be done in a better way. So you fix the movie by not having them be idiots and have them not know what the fuck is still kind of going on. Have them still be unsure. Have them not exposed to sunlight zombies that burst into flames because that's how you they don't know like 
That's how they find out that sunlight is bad for them. Is that the zombie vampires explode in light. If that doesn't happen, they don't have a correlation to nighttime just yet. So they don't have a reason to scuttle the boat during the day. And then you can match the book. Because fuck, this is dumb. Also, I don't know. Dracula has telepathic powers if you've been scratched by him. That's a new one. I've seen lots of vampire shit. I didn't know scratches added vampire telekinesis to him. (laughs) But apparently that's a thing. I also really loved that somebody was confident enough with this movie to go, hey, we may get a sequel. Let's put a who knows what's going to happen at the end of this movie. Like the sequel wouldn't be the last half of the movie Dracula. Like, that's like if they did the movie Titanic and ended it right before the iceberg. Going, oh, we might give you a sequel. Will there or won't they hit the iceberg? Who knows? Like, what the fuck is the sequel to this movie going to be, people? If I, like I said, it's not the second half of the movie or book of Dracula. And when you have the one character live, who's not a character in the book, like later on, is he magically going to show up in the sequel now? Like, what the fuck is this? But God, they made it seem like, oh, guys, you get your friends to come see this? We are going to have a seven movie Dracula saga that all takes place after chapter seven of the book. Like, were they planning to just do a movie, a chapter? Just keep going chapter by chapter, building a franchise, a cinematic universe, if you will. Might as well just do a mini series at that point. Might as well have just not made the movie. That too. Fuck, this movie is bad. Uh, Justin, what about you? What are some spoilery thoughts from you? Yeah, um, a lot of that, what you said, was on point. It's just, yeah, I think that part of the lack of tension is just the fact that we know where this is going. We can't, You, you kind of know how it ends. So this movie just had a real challenge to try to have a story. You know, if you've got a predictable story, and your audience knows basically how it's going to end, and you're kind of giving it away that nobody was on the cruise ship. Whether you've read Bram Stoker's Dracula, or I didn't even bring whether that you're up. just yeah, or whether you're just going by the beginning of the film that's, giving it yes, to you. That's that's the good that, point, Justin. That yeah, the beginning. Of, if you did not know what the Demeter was, and you were unfamiliar with its role in the Dracula book. The beginning of the movie tells you. Yeah. It it tells you that nobody on the ship survived. 
And I guess they were thinking, well, ha ha, we, we did have a survivor, but that didn't work. I mean, it just wasn't, it just didn't, it didn't work. matter. You're just <laughs> yeah. like, okay. Exactly. And the thing about like this character that Corey Hawkins was playing, Clemens, I mean, I didn't hate him. I, I kind of wanted to like him. I thought that the actor that Hawkins was 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 doing as best he could to play the character yeah. well, but this character was not interesting. Like, what do you want from <laughs> life? I want to know why the world is the way it is. Yeah, just what, like what, what? What is that? <laughs> that, that was like a, a, a Miss America pageant answer. Yeah, like. <laughs> That's a great one to say. Like, what the hell is that for a character motivation? How is that relatable? I want to know why the world is what it is. So, okay, I've got this character with an impossible dream, with, with just an impossible aspiration. Uh, and how in the world is that an arc for this character? And then at the end he goes... He says something kind of to the effect of, well, you know, I found out that life, you just have to accept that shit's the way it is or something like that. And I was like, well, no shit, Sherlock. Like, I just hated that. As that a doctor, was, that's something you didn't know. Yeah. Like, I just hated that yeah. motivation for this character. So it made me just not so he just wasn't relatable. I, I just hated that they did him that way. That's a good and point. So, and, and so as we're going through this journey with him, because most of this journey is with him, I I just couldn't get behind him. I, I couldn't because I didn't under, I didn't feel like I really understood him or could relate to him. So that made it a challenge as he's doing these things. Now I understood from a doctor standpoint, he's doing what he can to try to help these crew members. He's trying to figure this thing out. So there was a bit of a mystery of, oh, what is what is going on? But again, we already know what's going on. We know that it's Dracula, you know, because of everything, the previews, this, that and the other and everything. So kind of what you were alluding to, Sterling, with your changes, we know what it is. So there's really not. So the only mystery really is when do the characters find out? It's not us finding out with the characters. We know what's up. So I feel like this movie just already was in a hole. You know, it it already told us nobody survives. It already told us, you know, for the people that know this story, they already know it's Dracula we already know it's Dracula, even if you just saw a preview. So what intrigue or mystery was there? Like, it just made this a story, this this a very hard story to tell. And so then, essentially, they sort of did this thing like, you know, it's it's alien on a boat, but it's Dracula. And so he's picking off these crew members one by one which is just a plot point and structure that we've seen a million times. You know, we've just seen this a million times. These crew members are just getting picked off one by one. And 
it, it and to the movies you know it it thought it was doing some different things like there was a crew member that went mad and then you know like you said Sterling you kind of got these zombie people kind of becoming v- vampiristic if you will but but again none of that really was interesting because when these people got bitten instead of them having consciousness and being able to like explain what's happening to them or maybe some of them getting powers. Like if that kid was running around and all of a sudden he was strong or was fast or could hear everybody talking or something like that, maybe you would have had something there. You know, if this kid sort of started to like get powers or something or one of the crew members, but we didn't do any of that. You know, we've got them laying in bed and one of them's yelling and, like, I, I just, we just had, it felt like we had opportunities to do some interesting things. If, if you can't tell the mystery story in an interesting way, if you can't have interesting characters, then try to do some interesting things with, the, with, with Dracula biting people. We didn't have that either. So then, and I felt like what they did do with Dracula I mean, I think I would have been okay with him sort of being a monster at the beginning. I like the idea of him having to regain him being weak and sort of having to consume people and gain his power back. I mean, and we and we've seen that before. Bram Stoker's Dracula, Gary Oldman's all old man at the beginning. Then after he be feasting. Sexy Gary Oldman on the streets of London. Yeah, we've seen. Yeah. True. So I think if they had just sort of followed a similar thing here, maybe it starts with him sort of being that monster and coming out and stuff like that. But he needed to change. He needed to become more conscious. He needed to be more methodical. There needed to be some manipulation. There needed to be some charm. He needed to become something else. But the problem is he doesn't. And then it just becomes a one trick pony with him being behind shadows or him being behind fog or him being behind boxes or him being behind. That's what kept happening. We could kind of see him, but we couldn't. And he's killing people that that's what it became. It's weird that he starts as like this, like, like frail, skinny, like demon looking thing. And then at the end of the movie, he just looks like a really angry flying squirrel. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's true. And then because they just kept like sort of messing around with the fact that you kind of can't see him, you you, you kind of can't see him. We'll show him a little bit, but not much. We'll show him a little bit, but not much. Like, I think sticking to that was just a mistake. While I did appreciate them going, okay, he's going to look kind of like Nosferatu, they just did nothing interesting with that beyond that. I thought that was kind of cool. I was like, hey, okay, they're going for a Nosferatu look. But beyond that, that's what it was. It was just like a, a little okay. But like I said, he was too much of a one-trick pony. His methods for killing, it, to me, never really changed. The only thing that changed was the location. Like, that that was really it. You know, like you said, he was old looking man 
crawling on boxes and ugh, killing people. Then by the end of the movie, we're in fog and we can't quite see him. And they're like, where is he? And he's like, ugh, killing people. I, I just it didn't really change much. Well, wouldn't it have been cool if at some point he did the whole knocking on the ship to get somebody to run to him? And then just that's where I thought it was going Honestly, ripped their neck off. Yeah. Like just something like that, like showing that there is intelligence there, that there's planning, that there's a methodicalness, like you were saying, Justin, just like something like, oh, you thought you were just talking to, you know, this guy about it on the ship. Dracula was there. Dracula was listening. He was understanding. He was planning. He was preparing. Exactly. And or, or at least show how he was able to hide from them every morning when these people are going out looking for him, which I didn't buy either. I just didn't buy that with his inability to like move or do anything during the day. They couldn't have just found him on that well, boat. I, I just feel like if everybody looks, they find him. They gave the somewhere. explanation of they just never checked the coffin crate. So yeah. they checked every crate but the one he was in. Yeah, and that didn't make any sense either. Like, that that boat, once they got to the point to where people are dying and they're like, we don't know, and all this stuff happened, and the woman was found in one of the boxes, well, then you would just logically think at some point, we're going to have to search every inch of this boat. We're going to have to open up all these damn crates. We're going to have to find out what we're towing because people are dying and we need to do something. And I feel like if you just do that during the day, you would have found him. I I just could not get past. They should have found him in the daytime. That's a lot of hours to search what is a boat. You know, we're not in a a 20-story building. We're not in, in, in a castle in Transylvania. This is a boat. And this man can't move around during the day. He has to sleep or be resting during the day. I just didn't buy that they couldn't find him. And then he just felt like, like you said, there should have been some more manipulating or him doing something more strategic because it just almost felt like he was Garfield or something. I sleep, then I eat, then I sleep, then I eat, then I wake up and I eat. And then, you know, I wake up, I, you know, at night and I eat and then I sleep in the day and then I wake up and then I eat. And that's what he was. And then at one point he's just like, oh, I hate Monday nights. Yeah. <laughs> like that's all they did with him. And that, and that's what I mean by, I felt like the Dracula was the weakest part of this. Like he, they, they just went too full in on, he's just going to be the monster at night that, that 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 kills people that that they went too in on that and in and then by the time he got his powers and stuff he was still way too monstrous man he he should have been doing some awesome shit he could have been tricking people making you know Clemens think that it was the woman he was talking to but really it was him and you know th- th- you could have just done so much awesome shit like this should have been a hundred times better and it just wasn't. So by the time we get to the end, 
And like you said, this Clemens character survives. And at the end, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to devote my life to taking down Dracula. Man, we know what happens in this story. We know how this shit goes. What kind of ending was that? Like you said, like there's going to be some sequel or something like that. I was like, why the hell did this end like this? <laughs> like, I mean, the only way they can really make this ending work is if Clemens like, is like, no, I'm going to use my family name now. Van Helsing. Like, that's really yeah. about it at this point. Like, yeah. Or something like it's just one of those things. It's like at what universe has a, like Clemens vampire hunter just doesn't really have a good ring to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You you got a point like that. Is, so that just wasn't exciting at all. And the last thing I'll say before I let Heather go is, yeah, I agree that Liam Cunningham, he was the person I was talking about. Because it felt like that fool was really trying. Like, he was trying. He was acting. And I just really liked him from Game of Thrones. I know he's done other stuff, but, man, he was awesome in Game of Thrones. And I thought that he was good here, and especially, like, when his son gets lit up. Like, he really was, like, a grieving father and he was really trying in those scenes to be all of that and uncertain about where the 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 the, the lives of the crew and you, you know there were a lot of times he really d- was shining with his acting but man this movie just but but I could not care because it never felt like this movie cared really it it just felt like he is somebody who shows up and is going to do what he can. And he's like, man, I'm not phoning anything in. I'm in this shit. My name is on it. I'm going, I'm going to ball. But unfortunately the director, you know, the, the coach, nobody else was interested in balling. You know, that fool was playing like his job was on the line. Like this was an actual game. And it seemed like the director was filming it. Like it was preseason. Like, that's what it felt like, man. So, yeah, that's the last thing I'll say. Bravo to him for not phoning it in. And I'm sorry that this performance wasn't this performance wasn't surrounded with a better film for it to go with. Heather, what about you? Yeah, and I do agree about Liam Cunningham. I thought he was really good too. I I liked him, and I liked Corey Hawkins as Clemens. Um, I do get what you mean, though, with your your kind of how you felt about Clemens and how he's just he wasn't very relatable. You know, like there was that he was an idealist for sure. But to the point where you don't care about what his ideals are like because you're just like, why? Why do we care that you want to know how everything in the entire world works? Like, (laughs) It's like, okay, I mean, I'm sure all people would think that's great at, you know, some point in life. But like, yeah, it's even if it had just been something like, um, I I don't know, just a little bit more of like a specific thing that was his goal would have been better. Like, um, you know, just like, oh, I want to, you know, just I just want to understand people better or something like that. Like anything like that. I don't know. It could have been that. And. And I didn't think about that until you said it, but you're right. I'm like, what was that motivation? And I did think that that was like super cheesy. 
to just be like, well, of course I'm here because I want to understand all the things that could ever possibly be understood. Like, all right, bro. Yeah, that just like, sounds like something a kid says. Like, <laughs> uh, like you said, yeah. like a beauty pageant, somebody just saying something that they think sounds. I mean, it was just, what even was that though? Anyway, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, you're good. I mean, and like, and yeah, because you're almost like, also as a doctor, like you feel like, I don't know. And maybe it's a stereotypical thing, but I feel like a lot of times they portray doctors as somebody as people who are very logical minded and just very much like, you know, I just want to do the most good I can in the world because the world sucks or something, you know, like (laughs) something like that sounds better. Like I do get that doctors are very precise and a lot of them do like to understand. I need to know everything about everything that I'm doing, like, you know, medically that, that is, you know, yeah, sure. Of course. But it just was so like, vague and just yeah felt like a very like they really wanted that to be something that meant something (laughs) it just didn't like I don't know but aside from that though I mean he, he while he wasn't relatable I personally think that he did have one of the best performances in this movie um I cause I I think kind of like what you said like he tried he tried his best to make this like as good as he possibly could and I I'm a fan of Corey Hawkins like anything else I've seen him in, I think he's really good. I mean, black Klansman, um, he was in the walking dead for a little bit. Uh, what was, there was a recent movie that he was in and he was really good in it. Um, but yeah, he's, he's just very, very good. in in almost anything. Oh, uh, Macbeth, he was in Macbeth, the new Macbeth movie. That's what it was. Um, yeah, he's, he's really a great solid actor and, I, he was doing the best he could, but I feel like the script just didn't serve him well. Like, I don't think it had anything to do with him not knowing how to act. I just think it was the story he was given wasn't, there was just not a lot to go with. And same thing for Liam Cunningham. I, I think he was really great too. Like he, he was the definitely the most believable and relatable as an actual real person because you felt his struggle and his like turmoil and kind of the conflict of what do we do now and all of that. Like you feel that from him and I agree with you on that. So those are the two performances that I thought were worth anything really. Um, the guy who played Wojciech, who is in, I, I feel like he's in everything in the world now. He was in Oppenheimer, you know, he was in uh, something else recently, but that guy he was in Suicide uh, Squad. Suicide Squad. Yep, he was that the one. Polka Dot Man. Yes. Polka Dot Man. He's in Prisoners. Like, he's just in so much stuff, and he's good. He's very good. But, yeah, he was good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's and it's and it's not like he was bad in this movie, but it's almost like, again, they don't allow you the opportunity to, to, like, make up your mind about how you feel about these characters. It's like they're telling you how they want you to feel about this character with almost all of them like with him it's just like i'm the angry person because i'm the one that's been here longest and i deserve to have the rights to be captain after this and i'm just going to be upset because it's a moral obligation of mine to be upset about these things like that's just you just feel like (laughs) that you they're telling you exactly what they want you to think about him you know so they don't give you much of like he's an interesting and dynamic character like i could see this or i could see this there's no dynamic characters in this 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, that's the problem. And that's the problem. yeah, it, it just, and again, the story isn't dynamic and it should be more dynamic than it is. Um, and I almost kind of feel like in, I almost, yeah, I almost think that maybe they shouldn't have even had them show Dracula at all in this type of movie because yeah, like kind of like what Sterling said earlier, just like, it's just that, that thing that's looming over them that they just can't figure out. And the fact that like, they just, they didn't even know what they were looking for when they were looking for him. They just knew something was there. Like it would have actually been really creepy and really haunting to just not see him at all. Or if you do see him at the very, very end, you know, like I think that might've been a cool way to do this movie to where you're just like, it's that element of what, like, what is it that we should be so afraid of? You know, like what, what is the thing that all these, all these people in the movie, they might see what he looks like, but we don't. And there's some kind of like, exciting and intriguing element about something like that, that would have made this movie just a little bit better, you know? Um, because yeah, I mean, it, it really was kind of a one trick pony situation where you're just like, Oh, he's going to lure somebody away by themselves at night and then kill them. And that's what it is. And the end, like, <laughs> and the fact that like, he so quickly killed everybody except for Clemens where he just lingered over him with like his fingernail and like cut his neck. And I'm like, you wouldn't have done that. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. You would have he been was like, just murdering everybody <laughs> yeah. and then decides to bullshit. Yeah. Wait for it. You know, like, no, there's just no way Like he's, he's not going to do that. Um, <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny. I'm like, of course the dramatic effect of this movie is like, Oh, we got to wait it out because you're supposed to care. You're supposed to feel the tension. But like Sterling said, there is no tension to feel. So you're just like, this feels out of place for everything else you've done in this movie. <laughs> like that's just everything they tried to do was like, they really thought they had something with it, with everything they did in this movie. And they just didn't have it for anything like, and the, the amount of communication issues on this boat is absolutely absurd. It's just the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like, even when they're, they know something's up, they're clearly seeing signs of something really bad going on. And they're just like, yeah, it's, it's probably just this. Okay. <laughs> like, but then you find a stowaway that you didn't expect. And she's telling you that she's terrified. And she's telling you that he's there. And you're just like, oh, she's just crazy. Like, we're not going to even like dabble in that at all. Like, we're just going to, write off this woman who was clearly hiding from something just not even discuss it <laughs> like and and I also just feel like they made it seem like she was so urgently trying to warn them but really like Clemens is the only one that she really talked to about it in full detail I if I was Clemens I would have been like hey guys she just told me this crazy story about how she's been slowly being eaten and you guys need to probably be more concerned than you are. <laughs> like, I just don't understand anybody's actions in this movie. And then even when they did know something was happening again, like the first thing I noticed was what Sterling said about why are they trying to escape at night? Like, why would they do that? That doesn't what, why? Yeah. It just, no, there's no way. 
I would be like first thing in the morning, like, cool, peace. I'm out. I'm gone. Let's head out now, you know? And then when they're looking in the little, you know, boxes of all the dirt on top of all the dirt, um, he's not prepared for that. Like he has no weapon. He just gets his face and his hands in there. Just like, if you think something is at risk of harming you or there's some kind of danger that could be in these, you know, boxes or in this space, you're just like, "Mm, I'm going to open it and just put my, put my face right in (laughs) with my bare hands and just touch this dirt when there could be a body underneath it that grabs me and destroys me. It just, everything they did was crazy dumb. It really was like, and then, yeah, even when they also knew what was going on, they were still all always like split up. They never stuck together. I'm like, if you finally knew and it's like, okay, I get that each of you has a job on this boat and whatever. But if you, if this circumstance arises and you know, something's going on and you're slowly seeing members of your team getting killed off, like that's when you huddle together for the entire time that you're awake and you're there, you know, instead of like still all going off by yourself so that Dracula can easily pick you off and kill you. It it just, it's baffling how, like how many weird bad decisions that they made to like survive. I'm like, are you actually trying to survive guys? (laughs) Like, Really tell me, are are you trying to actually make it out? Are, Are you even trying here? It's it was insane. Well, and that was the frustrating part about the movie. I think with that I think that that's a problem with the writing and the direction of this movie because they weren't trying to survive because the story needed them not to survive to match up with Dracula. True. That's so, true. Yeah. Instead of writing characters that get stuck in a no win situation that end up dying. They write characters that walk into death. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Or the the movie movies them into situations that they should <laughs> have yeah. been better about getting out of or countering. Like that kid in the room. How come it took two hours to get through that door and somebody <laughs> had a gun? How was Dracula in that room? <laughs> yeah. How'd he get in there? How? He's just do it? chilling in that room that people had been in for the last three hours. And he's I just know. standing in the corner going, they won't see me. I'm gray. <laughs> exactly. He just was hiding up in there, man. Just And I mean, they didn't show us any scenes. They didn't show us him doing no Metal Gear Drac or anything like that. You know, like nothing. They, they didn't do a scene, you know, a drag in the box scene or something where he pops out and is like, ah, it's nighttime now. I can go crawling around. You know, <laughs> nothing. You know, we didn't get nothing. And then, then, like, he was in there with that boy for what seemed like two hours. And all I heard was knocking. Just doom, 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 Open it up, kid. Open it up. And I'm like, and it took the, and then the, you know, and like the character Anna she finally shoots the door down. And I was like, when, and I was sitting there with, with when the guy was holding the gun, one of the other characters was holding the gun. And I'm the like, ground? is he going to use it? Yeah. I just was like, is anybody going to use the gun? Is anybody going to try to get in there with, with, with the gun? And finally <laughs> yeah. she did. But it was like, 
after two hours, it felt like. I just did not understand what I was watching, man. Right. Like, no, you're right. Because, like, I thought that was another thing, too, where they come up right on the the guy that got turned into zombie vampire man, the first guy, and <laughs> they get up to him, and then Wojciech, like, was like, oh, let me throw my gun down and tackle him. I'm like, what? I don't get it. I don't know. But... Um, I mean, it's 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 been even worse for me lately because I have been playing this awesome, awesome game that's all about choices and story and all of these unique things and all this stuff. And then I get sucked into this. Like a movie where it's like, hey, we're going to give our characters choices and don't worry guys. They're going to pick the wrong one every time. And your reward for it as a moviegoer will be 2 hours of complete and utter boredom. Sign me up. <laughs> right. Yeah. It it just I just didn't understand yet. Like, I think that you kind of really nailed it, Sterling, with the whole they're they're writing these characters to walk into death because they're just they're not meant to survive. But it's almost like you doing that. You suffer from like you don't care if they survive, even if you know that they're not going to. You just don't care either. And it's like if the story was done better in a proper way, you're just like, oh, no, I don't want any of these characters to die. Like. They seem so smart. They seem like they've got it together and they're going to get out of this. Like what happens? Why don't they get out of this? You know, you have all these questions and in, intriguing things going on that you want to know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. And also the knock thing was just not at all the payoff that they, they wanted it to be. I really thought they were going to do something nice and creepy with that knock thing with Dracula. And they just missed that opportunity for what though? Like, I don't, like, they almost could have not even had the knock thing in there and it wouldn't have even mattered. And it was such a great opportunity to just be like real creepy and weird about it, to pick somebody off and have moments of silence and tension to build up because they think it's a person. And yeah, it just, it did not, it did not pay off at all. Um, yeah. And then like the whole, and then they think that they're faking you out because they say, oh, nobody survived but technically Clemens did survive, you know, and, and that's another thing that they do to try to make you care. But you're just like, Hmm, it, it felt like <laughs> kind of like what Sterling talks about with the whole, you're doing this for the audience type of thing. And in a weird way, it feels similar to that where you're just like, this is like, I don't know. You, you just feel like they're, they're doing it for like a weird like kind of last fail safe uh, way to try to get you to be happy about how this ends, you know? And I think that it actually would have been for what this movie is. Like it would have made sense if nobody survived, but I figured if anybody was going to survive, it was going to be him because the focus of the movie was Clemens. But, and then again, also how did he just know so quickly that the girl's blood was poisoned like he just looks at her and he looks at her eyes and he's like her blood's been poisoned 
let's get this out of her. Like, <laughs> I feel like they didn't really clarify like why he so easily knew that she needed like blood transfusions so immediately. I'm like, Hmm, that's okay. <laughs> I don't know. It, it just, n- no, no decisions made sense. And like, why was nobody freaked out more about these animals that just all got killed at the same time? That the first thing that happened was that. And I would have been like, this is not cool. This is not good. This is not okay. Something's up. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. No, nah, they talked about it for five minutes. What you need to talk about animals dying and the possible ramifications of that for more than five minutes. <laughs> right. And it's like, they talked about it to really do nothing with it though, because it's like they talked, they talked about like, Oh, it could be this or it could be this. But in any case, there was no sense of urgency for anybody to be concerned about it. And and that was the entire movie. Like they're like, Oh, there's yeah. this thing that's picking off people and killing somebody and we have a guy missing they're just you know nonchalantly quietly to themselves walking about this ship like nothing's wrong it's just weird i'm like your demeanor for what's happening is just not matching up like at all it doesn't even make any sense to me yeah yeah you're right the demeanor at the demeter was off (laughs) And exactly. even when Anna and even when Anna came in, it was all urgent and stuff like, man, you you got to get off this boat. He's here. I can sense him. He's here. When did any of that come into play? How <laughs> how could she ever why, how could she ever possibly calm down and just be talking and chilling and shit? Yeah. Like after the story that she told and waking up and barely surviving and everything like that and being able to sense him you would think that that would come into play somehow or she would be yeah. like, I mean, what was that other than just a scene in the moment exactly. to have her seem important and then do nothing. With it, it just didn't like you said, they didn't do anything with that. So at the end, when they try to have their Titanic moment, <laughs> I didn't buy that either. You know, yeah. it was like they tried to have a little moment there and I didn't buy any of that. And then she burns and it's like, okay, but we saw the kid do that too. It just, yeah. I don't know, man. They, they just. I mean, and the thing with her ugh. story that is like super weird too is, yeah, you're right. It was a scene in the moment because she's like, no, guys, be concerned. He's here. And then that was like, not that that was, I mean, I feel like that was the only time she was really urgent. And then she was just like, all right, I, I told you guys, that's all I can do. And then, you know, and then in the moment when she's faced with, with, you know, Dracula or what's happening, she'll be like, yeah, this is, this is what's going to happen. This is how it is. Um, you know, he haunted my people and tormented them for years. And like, she'll reveal some of that as things are happening. But then if you remember when Clemens is first talking to her and he's like, you know, who's here? What is that? Like trying to, and she just was being silent because she thought that was like eerie to be like, like you don't want to really know kind of thing, but you're like, no, but like it's on our ship and it's going to kill us all. You should probably not be like just, you know, aloof about what this is. She's just, he's just like, Oh, what do you, what do you mean? What, what ate you? What bit you? And her just not saying anything, you know, like for the dramatic effect of it. And you're just like, no, this is not the time to be a dramatic effect. Like, I think we get that this is a severe situation, so be like, oh, it's Dracula. It's a monster thing that's on your ship. 
that's eating me and he's going to kill everybody. That's what this is. So probably find him. And if you know what he looks like, tell us what he looks like. <laughs> like no communication at all. Like for the one person that actually knew and encountered who this was and survived for however long, like nothing just wanted to be vague for the dramatic effect of it all for no reason when you're on a ship of people that are about to die. And also the whole thing about I'm going to go down with this ship that they were doing was driving me nuts. Like, no, like this is my ship. This is my home. I'm going to go down with it or I'm going to be the one to destroy it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, what? Yeah. <laughs> why, why is your honor in this? Like, why is this what you're staking your whole <laughs> reputation on is if this ship goes down, you know, with, you know, a reputation of goodness or not. (laughs) I don't understand what they were dealing with that. Yeah. And somebody even told them something that made more sense. Like, well, man, it's not about the ship, man. It's about the crew. It's the memories. It's all that. Like, isn't that what makes these voyages and these adventures worth it? It's not the ship itself. And he was just like, no, I'm all about the ship though. Like it was just like, a right. character told them something that made sense. Yeah, it's and like, he said, "I don't care because I'm written this way." Yeah, it's like they go to that whole <laughs> spiel, and he just goes, "Ship." <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Uh, that's probably what actually happened on that ship that night. Like, no ship, me. Let's go. Just turns into a caveman from Geico commercials. <laughs> me, ship. Ship, me. <laughs> ship. That's exactly what it was. Probably. And they're like, what? And he goes, ship, sink, me, sink. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the same logic and dialogue, almost. I mean... I mean, that other crew member made so much sense. Right. I mean, he just said, he just told them in a nutshell what he should be caring about. And, and it, he had no retort. He had no, he knew. It's like, why even no say that? that? Why even say that in the movie if it just wasn't going to matter for anything? You're right. This movie suffers so much from like, no, this is just how the characters are written. So you got to just deal with what they're what we're telling you they they're like that's it there's no growth there's nothing because they're <laughs> yeah, gonna all die no growth. <laughs> i mean it, it, it's weirdly written because like i said instead of doing the interesting thing uh, like you know where you write unique and interesting characters that are stuck in a situation and they die they wrote characters whose sole purpose was to go die yeah. so they put no growth into it. They put no characterization into it because every character in this movie is just cannon fodder. That Mm -hmm. is it. And it's not even in that fun way that horror movies have sometimes where it's like a slasher film where you're just throwing anonymous people in there for unique, crazy kill scenes. They're throwing everyone in into the sawmill and that's it. Yeah. It's like if you had a weird Mortal Kombat version of the game Lemmings, where all the Lemmings are just walking off in the <laughs> off the cliff into a saw. <laughs> Basically. But that's that, it. That's what it was. Every level is just how to get them to walk into the saw. And you're like, oh, 
It doesn't matter if you change the level up and you do all this shit. If ultimately it is still just walking to a cliff and saw. Yeah. That's it. Yep. They're all, I, look at the care and detail of the set and all this other stuff. Look at the care and detail of the water and horizon shots. Look at all this stuff to distract you from the fact the movie is still just people <laughs> going, oh, I don't know. Uh, let me walk around this corner by myself <laughs> again. Even though we literally just had a conversation about how at night we are only going to be in groups of two. Whenever we have the very next shot of nighttime, I'm by myself. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And I also like hard disagree with the whole Clemens vampire hunter arc that he was on at the end of this movie. Like I, I just don't like it because I'm also like, it it seems like he, you, you know that it's written to be where he's like, I've seen what can happen with this thing, but nobody's going to believe me. So I'm going to take on the burden by myself and not tell a soul or anyone in charge or anybody that could help take care of the problem or help me search like the just sad the thing secret is, that he has for himself. Is he, they've already kind of solved the problem within the movie itself. Why doesn't this man not just go to that house during the day and just throw some Molotov cocktails at it and burn the fucking place to the ground at 8 a.m. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you're, like, you're set, you're home free. But also, they set it up the weirdest thing that he's going to be, you know, Blade's great-great-grandfather. But that Dracula can sense him coming. Dracula knows where he is. He's like waiting for him. He's like, all right, here he is. He got the mind reader scratch. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, when he lingered and just, you know, scratched his neck for that. what was that, though? He walked by and waved his hand over the scratch, and Clemens went, Oh, no, Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck kind of choice was that? And that was the only nuanced thing he did besides smile. And that was cheesy as hell, too. That fool was just smiling. That's all Dracula was doing, was smiling maniacally. But Dracula was waiting for him, too, in that in that alley. He was just, like, chilling there in his silhouette. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go get this guy. And it's like, hmm, all right. I don't know if I believe this, but okay. Whilst cheesing. I mean, that's all he did was (laughs) just smile and look mean. And I think he had one line, but most of the time he was just smiling. And I just felt like it was cheesy, you know. I mean, I'm evil. I'm smiling. I'm about to eat you. You know, it was. Yeah. I mean, what what was that too? Even with the whole thing that, like Sterling, you mentioned earlier about how he's like kind of like a mind reader or like a can kind of get into your mind. It's like that kind of could have been a cool sort of like element to the charming, manipulative side of Dracula to be like, I'm in your head and I'm going to actually make you guys kill each other or something. Or. I'm going to make it to where you make it easier for me to kill you and you're okay with it or something like that would have been more interesting than just like, I'm going to, I'm going to creep up on you when you're vulnerable and by yourself because you always are in this movie. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I'm tired of giving this more, this movie more thought and care 
than anyone related with the production <laughs> gave it. That's okay. I, I'm done now. I'm done now. Yeah. Same. I'm like, you just said so many ideas that would fix this movie that apparently just a whole studio and crew and teams of people couldn't fucking figure out. Right. Ugh. You guys done? We done? We done yeah. with this one? Can we wrap it up? Yep. Yes. Sorry for all the plosives I just said. With that was a hard P when I set up. It really popped in the microphone. It's going to be a plosive if I ever heard one. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on the internet: www.cinemaslayers.com. Uh, Cinema Slayers Podcast on Facebook. Cinema underscore Slayers on Twitter and Instagram. And fuck everybody, it's still Twitter. I'm not calling it that stupid name that Elon changed it to because that's just pointless. Uh, oh, and threads forgot about threads uh, at cinema slayers pod on TikTok at cinema slayers pod on YouTube. Uh, give us a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love sexy Dracula. Well, since this movie didn't have one, I'd just say, what's his name? Liam Cunningham or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Liam Cunningham. Mm. Hey, mother's love an onion night. Yeah. I'm just saying he looks like something mothers would love. <laughs> uh, shout out to Plug Me Go and Mundo Cho for our theme song and logos respectively. Uh, just remember here at the Sima Slayers podcast, we were both pro slut, pro Sydney. And you are Knuff. That's all I'm saying, Jess, and I'm not saying anything else about that. And as we as we always in these TikToks, these YouTube videos, and these podcasts, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a best picture winner. That ending was very Forrest Gump of you. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> what was Forrest? Yeah, he left out BK. How could dare you leave out BK? Nobody knew it was anything but you. Justin, no one on this podcast is pro BK. Are you ready? Yeah. Cinema Slayers. I drove by there. Justin, I guess this is time for the weekly check-in. Did you eat a Burger King this past week? I um <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> Damn it, why you always got to ask the hard questions about it? You should have done like the, I'm breaking up, I can't hear you, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I should have. I can't. Uh, I, uh, uh, breaking rules. Uh. And you're very good at being still, so you could have just like done like a freeze frame face to where like we thought you actually did lose connection. Yeah, I thought I actually froze. <laughs> I should have. And then right when he, right when we stopped recording, when ha, you know, got out of it that time. Man, it would have been so easy though. You would have like acted like you froze. I would just like fuck Burger King, and you would have gone. <laughs> yeah, probably. I couldn't help. I couldn't help but react to that because of my love for BK. You don't love them.
You just love the it's idea a, of love, Justin. You don't love it's them. It's a love. It's a it's a distance relationship. It's not, Justin. You drove right by there. <laughs> you were technically just mere feet away, and still didn't eat there. I know you're a fan of the lean meats, Justin, even though you, you like what is it, a burger, a baking king or whatever. But, I mean, you can get some chicken fries, Justin. Go go get a baking king with a side of chicken fries. That way you're getting, you know, you're increasing the amount of protein you get. You're That's maximizing true. your protein to calorie ratio as best as you can at a burger king. Actually, maybe getting it with no bun, that actually sounds fantastic. Might have to go tomorrow. You won't. (laughs) No, but I mean, but eventually. Justin, I hate to break it to you, but you're just a mere person. There's only so many tomorrows left in your life. Seize the day, Justin. If you truly love Burger King, show it. By, I don't know, eating there once. I think I'm just going to, as much sense as that made, I'm going to be like that crew member on the ship and just say I'm going to wait still. Cause You're all me, wait. Burger King, me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, Justin, there's only so many tomorrows left. What if tomorrow is the day Burger King closes? And you could have had it today. But you waited, and now it's gone forever. Never to be I'll had be again. That would make me sad. Every time I went to McDonald's, I would think about that. You'd have to fly to Australia and eat at a Hungry Jack's, which wouldn't be the same to you. Because it's probably superior to Burger King. Oh, come on. I'm just trying to help you out, Justin. I'm trying to help you live your best life. See, my cats hate Burger King. They don't even want me to help you realize your dream of eating Burger King. Help me help you, Justin. I think it's just enough. I just... I just love the idea of it, you know, that there's a king and there's a king of burgers. I just think, I just really like that. It's like like an insurance policy of like, I hope I never need it, but I'm glad that it's there if I do. (laughs) (laughs) But nobody likes insurance. Insurance is garbage. (laughs) It rips you off. But Sterling, isn't it a neat idea, a king of birds? Isn't that neat? I'll I'll quote Tywin Lannister. If you're really a king, you don't need to say it. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all right. (laughs) You're like, yeah, I have nothing for that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a mic drop, like, quote, so I get it. 
I don't want to drop the mic though. I want to sit and revel in Justin's just fuckedness now. I can't, I can't say anything to anything Tywin Lannister says. Though he does look like he would like Burger King. I could see him. I could see him on that bacon gang. I see him. I think it's very fitting too. Because Tywin said that to Joffrey. You know, the Burger King of Kings. Oh. Yikes. Don't do that. You know what you did. Don't shrug. You know. You know what you did. I did the righteous thing. I'm out. Fuck Burger King again. Trick Justin.